This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. I'm, I'm so sad that we... Yeah! <laughs> Thank you, guys. I'm so sad that we're coming to the end of our identity series, but I'm so looking forward to, to what our next series is going to be about. So... So today we're doing our last one, and I want to just see if you guys remember what we spoke about. So I'm just going to read it, and I'm sure they're going to have it on the board. So we're doing it today is I'm an ambassador of Christ. So what we spoke of earlier is I am a son and a daughter of the Most High. Uh, God is my father. I am a servant, and he is my master. You guys remember that. Uh, I am a saint. Christ is my savior. I'm a citizen of heaven. He is my king. Today, we're speaking about I'm an ambassador. So there's this uh, two circles. It's called the identity gap. I wonder if they can put it on the board there for me. Is that, is that possible? We spoke about it in our, first, uh, in our first intro. There we go. There it is. So it's what God sees and what I believe. And we want in the series, our witness, if those two get closer and closer together. Who feels that the two circles is closer for them? Okay, there's some. Can I see how? No, I'm just playing. Okay, good. Okay, inside you putting your hand up. That's amazing. So you guys partook of this series. That's good. So today it's, we're speaking about an ambassador. And what does that mean? What is an ambassador? You might think of, you know, there's some clothing ambassadors. So there's some, some brand ambassadors. Is that the ambassador we're speaking about? There's this story about Michael Jordan. Who knows? It was in the 80s, so it's probably not, all the young guys are out. So Michael Jordan was this amazing NBA player, arguably maybe the best NBA player of all time. And Michael Jordan was one of the first guys where he said, I will not have my name on a shoe if I don't get a percentage of the, the revenue, a percentage of the revenue. And guess what happened? Every year they sold about 4 billion rand. Uh, uh, sorry, $4 billion, forget rent, I'll uh, do the math for $4 billion, and he got a percentage of that, so it's about 400 Without his NBA career, um, just through that, being a brand ambassador, he, yes, he, he, he made some money. And he broke, he, he, he broke the whole culture of not, not uh, giving someone remuneration for uh, being on a brand. Anyway, what I'm, what I'm speaking about today is not about a brand ambassador. You can be a, a brand ambassador and think, hey, listen, being a Christian, just have to do the look, make it look cool, have the little cross, have the nice city on the hill band, <laughs> have the, you know, do, do the look, have the t-shirt, and, and I'm showing I'm a Christian. It's more than that. It goes deeper, being an ambassador. It's not just a fashion statement. It's deeper than that. Let's see what the scripture says about it. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 19. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Him through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, you have a ministry. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as through God, who are making His appeal through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So there's three parts of this scripture. I want to divide it into three. 
One is, I'm a new creation. So we know that. He created us before the beginning of this earth. I'm a new creation. I'm made in His image. He is well pleased in me. This is what we learned throughout the series. So that is, I'm a new creation. That is what God has done to me and God has done in me. You guys are following me on the, the okay, cool. So the next one is, I have been, I've been reconciled. It's a big word, reconciled. What does that mean? It means that I once was lost. Because of my sin, I was separated from God. The relationship was separated. But Christ came and he renewed that relationship, put us all back together. Our relationship with him is open. So it's, it was what was done between me and him, that relationship. Now the third part is what we're all about today. It's I'm ambassador. And that is what to do, what he is doing with me and through me. So that's what, it's, it's a call to action. It's nice being, know that, knowing that, yes, I'm, a, I'm blessed beyond measure. I'm, I'm God's son. But what does that mean if you are ambassador? If you're carrying the DNA of Jesus inside of you, does that mean, oh, I'm blessed, I'm going to heaven? No, you're going on mission while you're here on earth. Amen. <laughs> I'm just gonna pray for us. Lord Jesus, I pray for your blanket of love. Just like the prophetic word went out, Lord Jesus. I pray for fire inside of each one of us. I pray for commissioning today, Jesus, in our hearts. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Not a man that's speaking, but it's you, Holy Spirit. Lord, use my lips. May we hear your heart as we read the scriptures today. May we hear what you are saying. May we see you. May we hear you, Lord. And may we be inspired by you. You're beautiful, Jesus. It's all about you. Amen. Awesome. So it was just for me. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's see the definition of an ambassador. What, is, what, is the, what does an ambassador mean? I hope they've got my notes. So definition of an ambassador. And I'm just going to go keep on going. It's not there, but there we go. An official of highest rank who represents the head of state while in a foreign territory. That's ambassador. You guys know like an ambassador of South Africa would maybe uh, 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 ambassador to America from South Africa would be in America, foreign territory. He'll be like on calls with the president saying, hey, no, 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 what should I do? Okay, what do? Having, carrying the heart, carrying the message, ambassador to a foreign, to a foreign country. The other part is he's an, uh, he has an authorized message and he's an authorized representative. So we are authorized representative for Jesus. We are on our Father's mission, carrying our, our Father's commandment. So we are here on earth for that reason. And sometimes, let's, let's see here, it's in a foreign territory. So what does that mean? It means that sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable. It means that it's not always going to be all easy. It's not going to be just here, just me and my, my local it can be local, but it's going to be in an in a area that you might be uncomfortable with. Because we have to go out to the world where the sin is. There's a different kingdom there. There's a kingdom of darkness. And we have to go out there and get our brothers and sisters. The story of the prodigal son is this. That the, the son, 
who knows the story of the prodigal son? If you've been to, to, uh, to kids' church, you would know this. It's a beautiful story. And, and uh, mommy and daddy teaches you that uh, regularly hey, if, you, if you mess up. But what happened here? This, this son basically told his dad, Dad, I can't wait that you die. I want your inheritance, and I want it now. I can't wait till day. I want the inheritance. I want to spend it now. So this dad was probably very wealthy, and this child wanted his her- he wanted his presents, not his presents, presents, pre- his presents. Anyone, you got the, the the money, not the the his the presents. So I think wordigheid in Afrikaans. So what the this father did is he said, okay, cool. I'll give you this inheritance. You go. So he goes and he isolates himself. The Bible says he goes into a, a far land, a foreign territory. And he likes this. He, he, he goes into the world and it's like he's partying and he's, he's wasting all his money. He's spending it on so much. And all of a sudden he finds himself in a fix eye and he sits there and he's like, I'm lost down in the gutters and the servants in my father's house they're eating better than I am eating at this moment. Some of us are maybe there. Some of us have friends and family that's maybe there, that you have in your heart right now, someone that you, that you long for. Now, who of you have ever gotten to a place where you really, you, you, a friend or a family member, it's been a while that you've seen them and you know today they're coming. And you are really, you're excited. You're standing, you're waiting. You can't wait for that person to come. And I remember just the other day, me and my wife, we went on, uh, we went away for the week. And the kids were sleeping by my grandma and my grandfather, grand, uh, and uh, Nadine's grandma and grandfather. And so I was dropped at home and she would quickly get the kids. Now, Orkney is about 20 minutes and 20 minutes back. So after hour, I'm like, I'm, I'm missing my kids. Nadine, where are you? Love, where's the kids? Where's the kids? I'm really, I'm so excited. I'm walking in the front yard, missing my kids. I'm like, wait, the, the car's going to come. I'm excited. I want to see my kids. And my kids come out and they're like, papa, papa. That's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Now just imagine this, is this father. He's sitting on his stoop and he's, he's seeing his son come. It's been years. His heart is broken. He's missing his son. Guys, this is the picture I want to paint. This is, what you, this is how the Lord feels about each one of us. And our brothers and sisters that's lost, he's waiting for fellowship. He's waiting. Now in the Bible, in that time, the, the son would go out and say, okay, dad, I'll be the one I'll be the older brother and I'll go get your son. I can see you sitting here every day waiting for him to return. I'll be that brother that goes out and gets him and brings him back for you because I see it's breaking your heart. And that is our role. Instead of being the, the one that's cushy in the, in the father's house, saying that, you know what, you didn't slaughter a sheep for me when, when, when uh, you didn't do it for me and my but he was in the father's house the whole time. If he had his father's heart, he would have seen how devastated the father is. So guys, as ambassadors, you are on a mission. You're not here on earth to have it all cozy and easy. Yes, 
if you look at, 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 at uh, Paul, he was faithful. He was faithful to the gospel, but yet he was put in prison. If you look at John the Baptist, he was faithful, but yet he was beheaded. I'm not going to say you're going to be beheaded. Maybe if you go to China, I don't know. But it's, there's, there's a price to pay. As someone that's living a life on mission, there's going to be a cost. Sometimes it might be your time, valuable time that you could have spent with your family, but you're spending it with lost people. You're bringing them in to your house, which is, yes, you know, they just dirty your house, but you're doing it for the cost. You know, you know what I'm speaking about. We came to your house on Monday with my kids. So you guys, there's a price to pay, but you'll pay it. Seeing our father happy, seeing seeing how his son is just cheering up, cheering up. How people are being reconciled to Jesus is the best feeling. It's better than sliced bread, guys. <laughs> it's amazing and it's addictive. We need to get out there. So, the sad thing about being on mission and being called, not a lot of us, everyone is called. It's Go all of you and make disciples. Uh, uh, Matthew 28 is a, is a commission to all of us. But not a lot of us go. Jesus said this in Matthew 9, verse 37 to 38. It says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Jesus could see this. He could see, hey, it's not, it's not popular to go out and spend your life for the gospel. And not everyone was, was going to do it. But there's a harvest field. Beyond this church, in this city, there's a harvest field. It might be family members of yours. It might be friends in your workplace. There's a harvest. There's a harvest. So when Peter Rasmussen was here, there was something that he said that really gripped my heart. In the 1970s, uh, they did a survey in Denmark to say how many people are, are, are professing to be Christians. And more than 50% said they, they're Christians in the 1970s. And now recently they did the same survey. I don't know if you guys remember what the statistic was. 0.03%. In a country where you have the right, uh, the right to religious freedom, they're not being persecuted, you have, you can go to a church anytime. 0.03% is Christians. It's easy to be a Christian, but if you look at a country like China, if you hear about the millions and the millions of, that's in underground churches, China's got a better percentage. How's that? And they're being persecuted. We've become so scared to say, I am a Christian. I follow Jesus. We, because we don't want to impose. No, not that. We can't do that in the workplace. Steve uh, Wimble uh, makes this example. He says, a lot of people come to him and say, my actions speak louder than my words. I'm not going to impose on my actions. They will know I'm a Christian because I'm good. He says it's like his wife and him coming to, to, uh, to someone's house that don't know them really and 
he's not telling them that it's, it's his wife. Now, just imagine that. If I go into a house of someone else, I would tell them that this is my wife, because my wife is amazing, and they would say, yes, look at, look at this mukhu. How, how does he have a, have a beautiful wife like this? I would be so proud. <laughs> I would be so proud to say that that's my wife. But we're too scared to say that the bridegroom Jesus, and we're the bride, it's unpopular. And we don't, we want to be popular. We don't want to offend people. Look, I'm not saying Bible bash. I'm not saying you have to be in people's faces and say, turn or burn. But I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying, oh, thanks, water. Uh, I, I'm saying that, I'm saying that there's a fragrance when you spend time with Jesus. And people would know. You might say, Listen, but I'm not, I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I, uh, I'm going to get to that. I'm, I'm ahead of my notes. <laughs> so anyway, what I, what I wanted to, let's, let's, I first want to tell you about a story about Adele. Our, our Adele Gabordi was this lady um, in America. She was in the suburbs. Um, and you know, it's always looking nice. The lawn is always cut. Uh, they would get a, uh, uh, whenever her lawn would grow very high, uh, they would get one of the neighbor's kids to just cut it. It's nice, eh? it's, a, it's a lacquer environment, they would quickly cut her, her lawn. And whenever a pipe would burst, they would get someone to just close the water for her. And whenever the mail would pile up, they would put it nice in a box for her so it doesn't look all, all dirty and scattered. They did everything except check if she's alive. And she was dead for four years already. We've, beca we've become a society where we don't check up on our neighbors. We don't even know if they've been dead for four years. The neighbor, when they, when they interviewed the neighbor, this is what she said. Uh, I'm as much to blame as anyone. She was one of my, uh, she, she was always alone and needed someone to talk to. But I was working two jobs and, and I was sick of her coming all uh, over at all times of, and every hour of the night. Eventually, I just stopped answering the door. It's a lady that wanted conversation. And yet she died and no one even knew. But the lawn was cut. Everything was looking pretty at that house. Guys, we've become a society where we don't reach out to our neighbors. Yes, we've, we're going to preach about that more in our next series. But that's shocking. <laughs> and, and we've become so busy. Just the other day, my neighbor, Musa, who, who is a Muslim, I'm driving past and I know I, I need to quickly go home and go back because I, I forgot uh, one of my, one of my uh, files at home and I need to go back to work and I'm in a rush. And, I'm, and, and he's standing there in front and he's waving at me. And I make like I can't see him because I need to go in there because I'm busy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm telling you guys that. Sorry, Musa, I'll make up for it. <laughs> but guys, because we're so busy, in and out, going back to, I didn't spend, I just waved back at him. The thing here is, who's going to show Musa Jesus if I am not as a neighbor? Who's going to show people if everyone is so busy, if all our walls are so high, if we are living our own life and we're ignoring 
strangers, neighbors. Just going to show them Jesus. You might be saying that I don't have the words. I'm shy. I'm not eloquent in speaking. Just like Moses said. Let's see what the scripture says. In Matthew 10, verse 19 to 20, Jesus says this. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At the time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. So it's the Holy Spirit that does the speaking. You just have to get up from your bum bum and go and speak to someone. Oh, that's hard. I don't have a theological degree. What am I going to say? I don't, I'm, I'm not a learned person. How, how am I going to do this? Now let's look at uh, Acts 4 verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, Common. <laughs> Common men. They were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. How would people know that you've been with Jesus? Have you been with the shepherd that people can smell him on you? That beautiful fragrance of Jesus. Have you spent so much time with Jesus that they can see you've been with him? Because the more you Spend time with Jesus, the more you become like Him. You need to know Him to make Him known. He will put the words inside your mouth. So you, you might be here saying, but you know what? I, when I became a Christian, I dumped all my sinful friends. I'm holy now. I don't have, have any, anyone that's not a Christian that, that's a friend. That's a bit of a problem. See, how are we going to reach if we just have the Christian friends? I, when we went on mission to the Philippines, uh, the one uh, lady from Victory Manila, she would, she would say something like this, and this gripped my heart. She said, whenever she looks at her phone and she scrolls through the numbers, and she says, there's more Christians than unchristian people. There's more, there's more uh, Christians than, than sinners. She gets worried. Because am I really on mission then? Or am I just enjoying life and being cozy? So, Steve Morrill tells this story. He says, once, this was, there was this patient, and he went to the doctor, and he's like sick, and he says, doctor, I'm dying. <coughs> I, need, I, I need you to help me. And the doctor looks at him and says, uh, I, I can't assist you. I'm, I can only work on healthy people to make them healthier. Just imagine that. If a doctor would say that to you, that would be confusing, because he's here for the sick people. But yet... If the church is not on mission and not going for the lost, and we are the church, you are the church, we need to go out to the sick, to the lost, to the foreign territories where those guys are in the pigsties. If it is maybe at the gym and you're making friends, if it is maybe oh man, you, at your workplace and that guy that's the rebel should be his friend because he's... He's that son that's, that son that's lost. He's that one that, that, that needs Jesus. So 
if you are a Christian, the Lord will open doors for you. Alicia, the young lady here in front, if you guys don't know who Alicia is, <laughs> she leads our, our, our worship teams. She was woken up one night and she was just on her heart. I might botch up your, sta your, your story here, but th this is my version. <laughs> so, and, and she was, at nighttime, she was, she was woken up and she had this desire to pray for you know, for, for our municipality, for our government. And that day, in her office, she speaks to someone and she says, she, she just feels she, she, she needs to pray for, for our uh, mayor. And, you know, Alicia doesn't know the mayor. She's not a political leader. She is a principal, a school principal. And guess what happens? She's on mission. And the Lord opens the door. So the lady she was speaking to is one of the intercessors that's part of our mayor's intercessor team. And she said, I'll tell him. What happens later that day, she gets a call. The mayor wants you to come now. You must pray for him now. Because <laughs> he's going into a budget meeting and he's worried. Doors open. Now Alicia goes and she prays for the mayor. He's crying. He was on his way to resign. And she prayed for him. And this guy gets strength. The Lord will use you in places that's foreign to you. It's not the area you've been, but if you are ambassador, doors will open for you. We've got this lady, Masejo, that's coming to our Wednesday groups. I'm telling testimonies of real, true heroes here. So Masejo, when, when we said, hey, you invite people. Every week, I'm getting, hey, uh, Elder Bertus, hey, Pastor Bertus, please invite this person. I, I invited him, but you invite him as well. I gave this person an identity book, and then she takes a picture. <laughs> and then I, I, went to, uh, I went to hospital, and I met this friend. Invite him. Look, I'm, I'm inviting him as well. Then she sends a number, and I have to send an invitation. Every week, she's on mission. Then she takes a picture of this. Yo, let's give. I don't know if Masejo is here today. <laughs> Every week, she's on mission. And that needs to be us as well. You might not always preach to people, but man, you can invite someone. Man, you can invite someone to a light group, to church, to whatever. Just, just be a friend of someone and show them Jesus and tell them about Jesus. Then Uncle Ken is always challenging me. He said, we need to be more in the streets. We need to, we, whenever he goes out and he speaks to someone at a... Um, at a counter, or maybe it would be at spa at the toll. He would say, you, you know, Jesus loves you. I love Uncle Ken. That, this, this person would just, just be tearing up, and, and he has that anointing around him. And he challenged me, and I did the same the other day. And I went to this garage, and I'm like, you know, Jesus loves you. And then my holy voice, Jesus loves <laughs> <laughs> And this lady looks at me, and she says, Next. <laughs> Like, okay, so that didn't work. But <laughs> hey, you, you might be shot down a few times, hey, but get on that horse again. Do it again. <laughs> so, so Dallin tells me about this T-shirt that I can buy uh, from him. <laughs> and it says, 
can I pray for you? And hey, I bought the t-shirt. I, I just can't fit in it. I wanted to show you guys. I grew, I grew a little bit in stature. So, but anyway, so this t-shirt, Dallin, just get me a large uh, one the next time. Uh, so this t-shirt said, can I pray for you? And once I know I was wearing it because I was thinking, listen, uh, the guys here at church, it's to show them I can pray for them. Afterwards, me and Nadine, we go to, we go to the, the cinemas. Every now and then someone comes, yes, you can. I'm like, can what? Oh, oh, I should pray for you. Because I have it. I forgot I had the t-shirt on. I was on mission. And, and, at the, and, and, and as we're buying the movies, I'm like, we're late now. And this lady looks at my t-shirt and she's like, okay, can I pray for you? I, I see you clearly. She says, please. And you know what? She goes to, and, and I minister to her. I could, I could invite her to, to, to church because I was brave enough or I didn't plan on it. But I was wearing that t-shirt. Can I pray for you? And I was on mission. Guys, we all are on mission. Can I get the music team maybe to, to shoot up on this, on this stage? I want to make this, this statement that there's some of us here that maybe the reality of the sun that's been lost, that's you. I want to remind you of a picture of a father that's waiting for you to come back. A picture of a father that's excited to see his son. Maybe you never knew him, but he is your father. Maybe you knew him, but you went lost. The world was very alluring. And he's calling you. He says, come, my son. Come, my daughter. Come. If we can stand up. So if you are that person, that person at the moment that, that's saying, I need to come back home. I need to know my father. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. Let's give applause to those He's calling you back home. Can I ask you to be as brave and walk out? It's never too old. It's, you're never too old. It's never too late for you to come. If you put your hand up, come to the front. I want to pray for you right now. Yes, Jesus. The father is so excited. He's jumping up. His heart is going out to you. If I can just... I'm going I'm to quickly pray with them. And you could just repeat what I'm saying. Father God, I come home. Forgive me my sins. I'm a new creation from today. Thank you that you died on that cross. I accept that sacrifice. From today onwards, I will live for you. You can just go up with, with this brother and sister. They just want to pre pray to you. Then there's, a, then there's another group of people here. And I hope it's all of you. Because the harvest field is ripe. But the laborers are few. I want you to come out. If you're saying, Lord, use me. Lord, I will, I will go for you. This is a commissioning 
right now saying, Jesus, I will do it for you. I will, I will be that hands and feet. I will be that brother that goes out or that sister that goes out to get your lost sons and daughters. Jesus said this, and I want to read this from John 21, verse 15 to 19. And he's speaking to Simon Peter, and he says, Simon Barjona, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I do. Feed my sheep. And he says again, Simon, do you love me? Simon says, yes, yes, Lord, I do. Look after my lambs. And a third time, and Simon is grieved now. Because why is Jesus asking me three times? Doesn't he believe that I, am, I love him? Yes. Feed my sheep. I'm asking you, are you willing to feed his sheep? As we're going to go into worship now, 